0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, we're studying the mighty book of Revelation. Turn your Bibles with me tonight to chapter 3. And while you're turning, let me reiterate that Revelation is a book of things past present and things to come. The seminary word for things to come is the word eschatology. I try not to give you too many seminary words. I think that if I did that, it would confuse people more so than what already is a difficult book to understand. But things to come, and that's what we're dealing with in Revelation. Things past, present, and things to come. I do want to say something before we get into chapter 3 verse 8 tonight is where we're going to pick up where we left off last week. But I want to mention something perhaps you've already been observant to this. Um, And as we continue to pray for the nation of Israel going through a very horrific time. But one of the startling things that's Going to take place in the tribulation. And and you keep in mind that the rapture is the next prophetic event on God's calendar. When the rapture takes place, we're going to automatically go into a seven year tribulation period. In the middle of the tribulation, there are two witnesses that come who are going to be preaching. The gospel to this this lost and dying world, people who have never heard the gospel presentation before, from the preaching of these two witnesses, according to the word of God, 144,000 are going to be saved. And from their preaching, millions upon millions will be saved. No one will ever have a second chance. If you've heard the gospel and you miss the rapture, you're in trouble. And not only momentarily, but forever. But these two witnesses, after they have fulfilled the mission in which God will send them, and I believe them to be Moses and Elijah. And I think uh, the scriptures uh, make clear uh, to, to their identity, although it doesn't make you any more saved if you believe otherwise. Some people believe it's John the Baptist. I don't believe he's one of them. And I believe it's Moses and Elijah. And if you read the last few words of the book of Malachi, Elijah is definitely mentioned as one of them. However, the thing that I want to emphasize is how insane this world has gone with all of these protests and all of these chants and when people are chanting death to Israel, obviously they're, they're anti-God. The God of Israel is Jehovah. And, but I want you to picture in your mind just for a minute because it's sort of like a plague that's in the world and people are chanting death to Israel. And, and these are not people over in the Middle East Uh, who are running from building to building and shooting people and all that kind of thing that's going on now. These are people that are coming out of universities and law schools and all kinds of arenas. And they're throwing their fist up in the air and they're chanting death to Israel, death to the United States. And it's almost like one gigantic pep rally that... I think the insane of this world has has joined in two. In the middle of the tribulation, these two witnesses, after they have fulfilled the mission that God has sent them upon, according to the word, they will be killed. And they will lay in the street for three days, according to Scripture. And the sea of humanity during that period of time is going to be cheering. And uh, and it's going to be like one huge party. The word says that they're going to be actually giving gifts to one another, celebrating. Now, some have a very difficult time how the world could engage in such a mentality uh, over people who were murdered but not just murdered, but left in the streets. Which, by the way, God doesn't intend to leave them there. He will raise them up. But I just want you to get a glimpse of that because the world that has gone insane now, chanting death to Israel and the United States, they have come together in this ocean of insanity, and they are basically celebrating the demise of Israel people that don't have guns and bombs and tanks these these are people just who are oozing out of the the woodwork now if you can understand what's happening globally you can you can vividly see how in the middle of the tribulation when these two witnesses are killed how the world will actually be in unison and in rhythm and rhyme together in this hysteria and they're not chanting death to Israel and praising Allah for whatever, this and that. They are rejoicing and celebrating over the death of these two witnesses. But the point that I want to make tonight is that when these two witnesses are killed, what you're seeing globally on television now, this harmonious gathering globally about the demise of Israel, it's going to one day turn into a global celebration for these two witnesses that will be killed in the street. And we can only imagine the extent of that by what we're able to see on the television these days. I would encourage you to continually pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. All right. Now, let's continue in the study. Let's go to verse number eight tonight. This is basically where we left off last week. And I want to continue the flow with this tonight. Again, the Lord Jesus is speaking. And he says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and has not denied my name. I want us now to look at the first part of this, I know thy works, and I'm going to uh, reemphasize that Jesus didn't say, I know your feelings, or I know your intentions, and that's basically where we left off last week. And I want to give you those three passages again. He's not talking about feelings and intentions. He's talking about works. And uh, there are many scriptures in reference to that. Let me give you these, and let's rehearse it again real quickly. Second Corinthians 5.10, and it says, For we must all appear... Now, this is not talking about every human being. All pertains to those who are in Christ, those who are saved. The judgment seat of Christ is not for unbelievers. It's for believers and believers only. So when Paul is saying, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, he is talking specifically about born-again people. And so every single born-again person We'll stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, when does that take place? Immediately when the rapture takes place and the church is caught out, we meet the Lord Jesus in the air, and that's when the judgment seat of Christ will take place. And the purpose for that, the remainder of the verse, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Quickly, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. And while you're turning, I want to emphasize that 2 Corinthians 5.10 is all about works. It's all about reward. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the word says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, we are not saved by works. We're not saved by good works. But we are saved unto good works. That means once we have been saved, we need to live for Jesus. We need to serve him uh, for the rest of our lives. Unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then Revelation 22, verse number 12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And so he will come quickly and we will talk about that in just a minute. Now let me give you something else here to think about in verse number eight. He says, for I have set before thee an open door. And I want us to think about this just for a moment because right now today is the day of salvation. This is the day of grace. And right now, The door of grace remains open. And it remains open to anybody. And this anybody means whosoever. You might be interested to know this, that the word whosoever is mentioned 183 times in the scripture. The word whosoever is mentioned 110 times in the New Testament alone. And so when the Word is talking about for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that means anybody. And whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's talking about anybody. The door of grace is open right now. We have gone through the dispensation of the law. We are living now in the dispensation of grace. And so... There will be a new dispensation after the dispensation of grace. The day of grace uh, will come to a close. But as it stands right now, the door of grace, the opportunity to be saved, is open. It's an open door. And so that's, that's the first thing that I want to mention along those lines. But the second thing is this, that when a person is saved and he begins to set out on this gospel journey serving the Lord, God oftentimes sets opportunities in our path. And so let me mention this to you. If we do not take advantage of the opportunities that God sets in our path, if we don't take uh, advantage of the blessings that he bestows upon us, this is what I firmly believe. If we're not going to be good stewards with them and of them, it's very likely that God will take an opportunity that he has set in your path or my path that we have refused to follow him in. God may decide one day to shut that opportunity off, close that opportunity. And I don't think it will go to waste. I think he'll give it to somebody else. So I want you to think along those lines here. He says, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. And that's true. When God sets you on a specific path and he opens the door of opportunity, no matter what, no one can shut it. But God is long suffering. We're going to see here in just a few moments. And after a period of time, if we're refusing the Holy Spirit and and refusing the path of God, God may choose and decide to shut the door of that opportunity. And the blessing that would have been ours for following him in that path, he may bestow it upon somebody else. And so that's something that I want uh, to call to your attention here. Now, the church at this particular point in time, was not great for their numbers, but they were better known for their greatness and obedience uh, to the Lord. So, he that hath the key of David, verse number 7, we talked about that last week, and the Lord definitely has many keys. He that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. We're talking about this open door of opportunity here. The latter part, for thou hast a little strength, and has kept my word, and has not denied my name. Now let's move on to verse number 9. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come... Look at this, this is important. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. That's an interesting passage of Scripture. That's not talking about forcing somebody to go against their free will. We all have a free will. This is talking about exposing them, giving them an opportunity that encourages them through the power of the Holy Spirit to be moved in such a way to change the direction of their life and come to the foot of the cross. This church, by the way, let me emphasize this, uh, the the Church of Philadelphia, that's where we are in this present part of our study, the, the Church of Philadelphia, and they were facing strong oppositions uh, because of their faith. and And the majority of the opposition that they were encountering was the result of a very wicked, wicked congregation of people. In fact, let me give you this scripture here, uh, like Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 9. The word says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. It's, it's a, a basic replica of what verse number 9 is talking about, But then there is another scripture in Romans chapter two, verse 28 and 29. And the word says, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. And so there was a counterfeit going on in the church. The Lord Jesus is exposing it, and, but he makes this declaration here. He says, in the end of all of these hostilities and the persecutions and the troubles and the trials, that this church of Philadelphia is going through, he said, in the end, those who oppose the truth, Jesus said, would eventually come to see the truth. There's, a, there's an important lesson in the scripture here, and that's this. Don't ever give up praying for somebody. You might say, well, I've talked to them till I'm blue in the face, and I prayed for them till I just am sick and tired of it, and they have made up their mind, they're going this way, the way of uh, of, of Baal, and uh, I, I just, I, I'm done with them. Listen, you never know, you never know when that, that last prayer you pray for them is a game changer. Don't ever quit praying for somebody. The Lord is saying this, that in the end of this ruckus that these people We're causing to the Philadelphia church, he said, in the end, it's all going to change. It's all going to turn around. They're eventually going to come to the truth. And there's a passage that I want to share with you in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25. And it says this Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So you keep on loving, you keep on praying uh for one another and 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 uh, wives love your husbands husbands love your wives and just keep on doing what the word says uh don't ever give up never stop your witness to your friends your coworkers your neighbors secondly and that God's love was upon the church of Philadelphia even though they were being persecuted by a hostile group of people whom in chapter 2 the word mentions the synagogue of Satan uh in another place. But what what that means is this: that the Philadelphia church was facing enormous strong opposition to the work. And uh, in this case, the Lord Jesus and and John is mentioning this that uh, they are saying that they are Jews and are not. The remnant of Israel that was being saved at this particular time, they had left the synagogue at this time. They they had stopped living under the law. And at this particular time, they had given up the law as a means of salvation. Multitudes and multitudes of our Jewish friends today are still living under the law. But John was addressing the thing, he said, those who had continued in the synagogue, or in other words, those who were still living under the bondage of the law, he said they are still in a false religion. That's what this means. And, you know, when you stop and think about it that way, it's a shame that, the Jewish people by large today still vehemently reject Jesus as the Messiah. And they, they are bound by the law in unbelievable ways. In our last trip to the Holy Land, I can remember going to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, and we were visiting different areas there, and the tunnel going underneath and actually going to the wall to pray on the other side of the Temple Mount. And the masses were coming out on Mondays and Thursdays. And I happened to ask our tour guide, why, why is this? Why, why, are, why are there so many people out here on Mondays and Thursdays? And his, his response was, and he was an Israeli tour guide. Uh, he, he was not a believer, but he was an Israeli tour guide. And he said this, he said, Because this is when God opens the windows of heaven to hear the prayers. And without being argumentative, I mean, you you can be a sloppy witness and get into some kind of debate with that stuff, and then you lose your opportunity maybe to really win somebody to Jesus. But I got to thinking about that. Where, Where does the word say that God only hears the prayers? of his people on Mondays and Thursdays. It just shows you the blindness. They are are living every day firmly rooted under the law. And so the Lord Jesus is referencing people who uh, were still bound by the law, still living under the law, those who had continued in the synagogue or under the law, still in a false religion. But Paul had something to say in Romans chapter 9 and verse number 6. He said, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. And he was saying they were no longer true Jews is what he was in reference to. And he considered the true Israelite to be one who had totally turned to Christ. One who was not still wedged and bound and under the yoke of the law. All right, in verse number 10, let's look at this. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, verse 10 really and significantly shifts a gear. This now is talking about what I was referring to in the beginning of the teaching tonight, and that is the great tribulation. So keep this in mind. Verse 10 is talking about the great tribulation. And it was not just a promise that was given to the church of Philadelphia. This definitely reassures the church as a body, the body of Christ of a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, there are many ideas of when the rapture is going to take place. Some, some people believe that we're going to go through the tribulation. I don't believe that. If you, be, if you're, if you are of that persuasion... Um, I hate to tell you, you're wrong, but it's not going to make you Not going to make any more or less saved. Uh, but the church will not go through the the great tribulation. Um, I, I want you to notice the first part of this. It says, "Because thou hast kept the word of my patience." And one of the things that we need to thank God for, you know, when you when you. When you go through this thing in the mornings or your, your noonday or the evening, when you begin to, to really worship God and you begin to praise Him and you, and you begin to thank Him, you thank Him that His mercies are new and fresh each and every day. You thank the Lord Jesus for dying on the cross, shedding His blood, giving us a home in heaven, becoming our, our personal Savior. You know, you go through this, this thing of, of lifting Him up and thanking Him for, for all that he has done. One thing that I want to encourage you to really thank God for more often than I believe what we take time to do, we need to thank God that he's long-suffering and that he's patient. Because you think about this, how, how often had he not be or had he not been if he wasn't? Think about how at times in our life that we get so stubborn or rebellious or we get... Out of sorts or or we get lazy in our in our in our walk, and think about how many times God could just think it, he could just blink it, or he could say it, he could whatever he wanted to do and and we would be toast and you think about how long suffering and patient he is, and notice this because thou hast kept the word of my patience, we know that God is Patient. And let me say this, he's not only patient with us as believers, but think about the patience that he has today with this old, sinful, wicked world. Think about that. Think about how it was in the garden when Adam and Eve fell. God could have stepped back from that and said, you know what? I'm not fooling with this. Or, or the days of Noah. Noah. We'll talk more about that in, in, in coming up. Or the days of Lot. I mean, there, there are multiple places in human history that God could have said, I'm out. But he didn't. And he's not only long-suffering with us as believers, but he's long-suffering with this world as a whole in spite of what is going on in the world. You think about how rejected he was when he walked when the Lord Jesus walked on this earth, think about how even more he's hated and rejected today. But he's still patient. He's still long-suffering. He's still merciful. But there's a greater, greater message here, and that is this, and that is that the church will not go through the tribulation. And this is, this is a key verse to that subject. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also... And here it is, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation. This hour of temptation is the tribulation, is the time of Jacob's trouble. And Jesus said, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And so keep that in mind. The church will not go through the tribulation. All right, I've got time to mention one more Part of this in verse number 11 tonight and that because I do want to close in prayer and I'm going to ask a couple of you to come forward and 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 have and share in this prayer time as we close the service here in just a minute but I want us to look quickly at verse number 11 and we do find that word quickly here and it's talking about keep in mind it's talking about the tribulation he says this behold I come quickly now we know that's not the revelation We know this is talking about the rapture because he's talking about the tribulation. The revelation comes after the tribulation. He says, behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. Now this is very interesting here and I've got to be really quick with this, but I want you to notice the first phrase. He says, hold fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. Crowns are rewards. Keep that in mind. Crowns are rewards. And so Jesus doesn't imply or say, hold fast to your salvation because we believe in eternal security. You cannot lose your salvation, but you can lose your crown. You can lose your reward. And that's what this is talking about. We'll we'll say more about this, uh, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. So... Behold, I come quickly. we will talk a little bit about that part of it again next week. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown or reward.: You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at Church.com.